I am letting go of all I've held, of every motive and every burden, everything that's of myself. And I'm just going to wait on you, my God. And I'm just going to dwell on who you are. I don't really want to go to the beautiful part yet because I'm still at the altar. We know God is beautiful. We know God is holy. We know God is awesome. Here before your altar, I am letting go of all I am, of every motive and every burden and everything that's of myself. And I just want to wait on you, my God. And I just want to dwell on who you are. That's all I wanted to share of that song. Because I'm afraid. And pastor, when the Lord told him what to preach this morning, pastor, the man, pastor, did not know what the Lord gave me to preach about two weeks ago, about five o'clock in the morning. And this is kind of part two of what he said this morning. And sometimes I think we get caught up in the beautifulness of God. I guess the right word is beauty of God. We get so caught up in the worship and the praise and all that is wonderful. And we want to overlook the altar. We want to overlook the fact that there's something we have to let go. We we don't want to deal with that. We just want to worship the Lord. We don't want to deal with the fact that there are some things in me and in you that we've got to let go. We we just don't, and I'm going to get to the message we just don't want to deal with that because it's too messy. And we, we sit here in our church clothes and our church hairdos and our church shoes. And we've got it all together, we think. And we just want to worship him because he's God and God alone. And I'm an apostolic. I'm a tongue talker. I'm a one God believer. And we just want to rejoice in that. But we refuse to stay in the altar and let some things go. And and I'm getting to the message because we got, I don't know how many feet this is now in this church, but we've got all this space and we have no problem coming to the altar. We have problems with letting go. We have no problem of stepping out. Everybody who is able to walk is able to come to the altar and you have proven that. But the issue is you're not letting go. The problem is that you're not letting go everything of yourself. You're holding on to your own agendas, holding on to your own ideas, and holding on to your own independent thinking, and you will not let go. And because of that, 
you have developed the wear pattern. And that is what the Lord told me to preach tonight, the wear pattern. Before I get to the scripture, let me just tell you what that is. Now, for all the brethren that work on cars, y'all could probably preach the rest of this sermon. But let me just take a little time. Because when we talk about the wear pattern, I'm talking about on your car and your tires. Over the course of time, if you don't get rotated, they develop what's called a wear pattern. And that is that they begin to wear on the same spot because you've been riding on those same tires in the same position thinking it's okay and you're not paying attention that there is a wear pattern developing on those tires where the ridges, there might be a technical term to it, but the ridges on the tire began to flatten out and smooth out. How am I doing, Brother Louis? They begin to smooth out and they begin to flatten out so that now your tires are a danger to drive upon, but you don't care. There's a wear pattern. Uh, and this is what I have experienced uh, because the, the, in my experience here, just here in Texas, uh, there are certain dips in the road. And, and let me be more specific. Uh, there is a dip at the corner of Veterans Memorial and 10th Street. Anybody that used to go to the church on, on Church Street, you know about that dip. You can drive fast over it if you want to. But it's going to have an effect on you and on your vehicle. The more you do it, there's no effect, it seems like, the first time, Pastor. There's no effect. And I'm getting to the scripture. There's no effect. It seems like, oh, I made it through that and I, I get through that. And, but I forgot. When I first got here, I forgot about that dip about five, six services in a row. I don't know what I was thinking. And I kept hitting that dip and hitting that dip. And, and things began to happen over time. There's another dip in the road at the corner of Veterans Memorial and Twin Creek. Y'all know about that dip. Yes. If you go too fast, I had one time where my, my head hit the roof of the vehicle because I was flying. Shouldn't have been, but I was. I was flying because we were trying to go to a trip and I hit the dip too fast. And, and even though it startled me, shook me up. I did not know that a wear pattern had started on the vehicle because I kept hitting these dips and these bumps in the road that you hit them hard enough, often enough, and fast enough, they're going to have an effect on your vehicle. Here's what you need to understand, that when I would take the car, and I'm getting to the scripture, when I would take the car in, you know, here's my vehicle, everything's all right, I, I I just had a feeling. Let's go on and rotate the tires. Uh, then the gentleman came out and said, uh, ma'am, is your front end alignment off? Whatever do you mean? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, according to your tires, something is off with your car. I'm like, no, everything's running fine. I got the eye, Pastor. And they said, well, it seems like there's a wear pattern going on with your tire. And it indicates that you have a front end alignment. And I said, is that right? I tried to play it off. 
And they said, yes, you have a front end, uh, a front end alignment problem. Because see, the wear pattern was an outward, external, visible indication that there is an internal misalignment. Let me say that again. The wear pattern showed on the tires that you can see outside. You don't have to lift the hood. You don't have to crawl up under nothing. You can visibly just stand outside the car and look. Those tires are shot. And and it is an outward, external, visible indication that there is an, an internal misalignment. And as I said, this misalignment happens uh, over time. And it happens because uh, I'm driving too fast, hitting too many bumps. Now let's get to the word of God. In Joshua chapter 7, hallelujah, I'm so glad there's no scripted format in scripture about how to preach. Hallelujah, long as we stick to the word. In Joshua chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, it says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. First of all, it blows my mind that God was mad, of all, was mad at all of Israel because of one person. And Joshua sent men forth, sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to, jo- to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Sheberim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. You may be seated. So we're talking about the wear pattern. And I said all of that to say this. And if you miss, and I'm almost done, actually. If you miss this point, you miss everything about what I've said. Here's the thing in this particular scripture, and we've heard this scripture before. They had just come out of Jericho. What a mighty victory the Lord had wrought for them. It took their obedience to walk in silence for seven days, uh, to march around the wall once a day for six days, and then seven times on the seventh day in silence. I don't know about you, but I might have messed things up for the people. And they had to walk around in silence and couldn't say anything until the Lord gave the pastor of the day the charge to tell the people that it was time to shout for the Lord has given you the city. Hallelujah. And that was awesome. That was great. God had given them a victory that was wonderful, but it came with a warning. The Lord told Joshua to tell the people in Joshua 7, uh, excuse me, in Joshua 6, 17 and 18, it said, and the city shall be accursed even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that went, that we sent. 
and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing. That's what the book said. Keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. This is a powerful scripture because it came with a warning before they ever set one foot into Jericho. They had the warning from God about what not to do. Before they ever went over, then crossed all the wall that had just fallen flat, uh, the Lord told them, don't take of the accursed thing. The reason why chapter 7 is so significant is because there was one man uh, who decided uh, he was going to be independent and he took all the, that he wanted to take uh, that he found in Jericho and the Bible says that he hid it. And so then he thought, well, let's go on. Everybody's going on about their business. Now we had this one great victory. Let's go take AI. Let's go and get the victory over this little city. Surely we got this. We got this. Victory should have been just, just like that, a no-brainer, so to speak. They should have easily gotten the victory. Instead, they were defeated. Uh, and Joshua, Pastor Joshua, was stressed and, and disturbed by this. He was not satisfied with defeat. He was not a pastor that said, oh, well, the church is going down. People aren't living the way they're supposed to live. So it's okay. It's nothing I can do about it. Let's just go on to the house, Mr. White, and let's just call it a day and have some sweet tea. He was concerned about them. He was concerned about the fact when they should have had victory, they did not have the victory. And so he besought the Lord, Lord, tell me why. Lord, I need to know how is it we could defeat an entire walled city, but these few little people in Ai, we have become defeated. In fact, they chased us. And he wanted to know why. And the Lord told them why. He said there is sin in the camp. And unless you deal with it and get rid of it, uh, I'm leaving you too. That's what he said. I didn't give you this verse, but that's what he told them in chapter 7. He said, uh, uh, yes, in chapter 7, he said, listen, uh, if you don't do this, if you don't put it away from among you, uh, then I'm going to have to leave you too. I'm going to have to depart from you. There is an accursed thing in the midst. Uh, here's where the wear pattern comes into play. I told you that whole analogy about my tires uh, because this is what I wanted you to get. The driver is always the first person to know that your car is out of alignment. Not the mechanic, not the people at discount tire, but there I was when the man said, ask me, was there a problem with my car? Uh, I tried to, you know, act like, no, there was no problem. Uh, but I knew all the long time uh, that the car had been veering off to the left uh, because it was out of alignment. Uh, I knew it and I ignored it and kept on driving. Uh, I knew there was something wrong uh, because every time I tried to go straight, uh, the car would just veer off to the left. Uh, it, I could go around a curve with no hands uh, because it was misaligned uh, and there was nothing that I could do I thought uh, and I thought it wouldn't show 
I thought nobody would be able to know uh, that my car was out of alignment uh, if I held on to the steering wheel hard enough uh, and I guided it when I felt it veering off. Uh, I thought I could get away with that instead of getting it fixed. I really did. I thought I could prolong this. Uh, Oh, nobody's going to know that I'm out of alignment. Nobody's going to know that I've taken a misstep. Uh, Nobody's going to know uh, that I'm off. Nobody's going to know uh, that things are not as they should be. You know, some of you are driving a car right now that needs a front end alignment. I mean, I don't mean that spiritually. I mean, naturally. You might be driving a car right now that needs a front end alignment. You're not going to sit there and tell me you don't know it. And you drive on it so long until it shows. Pastor has something to say. I really don't know the prayer request has just come. Forgive me for interrupting. But we don't want to get in such a wear pattern that we don't understand that people in urgent need, we need to stop what we're doing and pray. What we have is Brother John Marquez's mother in California. She's been in the hospital for many days. I really don't know the details. What I think that just came to us was Brother John was notified that he had to come, that they took her off the ventilator. By doing that, they're saying there's nothing more we can do. We know a God that's able. We don't ever want to get to a place where our agenda or what we have going on in the church service supersedes folks in need. And so if we could, let's stand right now. God knoweth and God is able. I want you, for those of you that have lost a mother, Understand the heart and the pain that this brother is in. And so let's pray, believing, knowing that God is able to take this report and turn it to a good report. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, O God, that you are able, no matter what we hear, to change that for the good. We're lifting up, oh Lord God, Brother John's mother in California. We really don't know all of the specifics, but God, this prayer request came, and we have stopped, and we want to intercede. We want to plead the blood. We want to stand in the gap. We ask right now, God, that you would reach down their hand and give her an extension of life. Oh Lord, work a miracle, for you are a miracle worker. Lord, we know you're able to do this. And we ask as a body, agreeing together, Lord, for thy glory to move in her behalf and turn the circumstances, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Put your hands together. Let's magnify the Lord tonight. Amen. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. Evangelist, thank you for your message. appreciate you being sensitive. A wear pattern. If we're not careful, we can all get there. And we never know what's wrong, not so much so a mechanic tells us, 
but till the word tells us, whether it be reading or through teaching or through preaching. And all we have to do is get realigned. And if we need new tires, just get new tires. Get a new touch. Be refreshed. And slow down for the dips. Every single one of us, if you've driven for any years, you don't pay attention. I'm going to tell you where it gets me. The railroad tracks right over here on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you what. It'll rattle some teeth if you don't slow down. And there's no warning. And so, understand, this day, God has spoke to us. I was going to let Brother John preach tonight, but something just moved and told me to let Evangelist Simmons preach. Because God brought these two messages together. We cannot, we must not be independent doing our own thing. And we've got to stay aligned. We've got to stay aligned. And you know something? That most tire companies have a plan. You can pay a little of something and go in there for nothing and have your car realigned. You can have your tires rotated. God has a plan. I said, God has a plan. Continue to pray for John Marquez's mother. Stand to your feet. Put your hands together. Magnify the king of glory. We serve a God that can realign us in a moment.